Patience. Wait for it. Well, we're going through the fruit of the Spirit as a church together, and today's fruit we're going to look at is, yeah, patience. You can go out in the lobby, wait in line if you want, and get one of those stickers. We've got all these stickers to go along. I got them all because I clearly lack patience and self-control, so <laughs> I'm working on those two. You might want to also get a study guide to go along with it. Here's what we're doing as a church. We're going through uh, a series called The Fruit of the Spirit. It's in Galatians chapter 5. And each week we're, we're trying to study. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our fruit. So we've got to, we have to let the Spirit work in us. The way we're looking at doing that is looking, going through together a study guide, looking at passages of Scripture that we can memorize to put in our mind and then to meditate to put on our hearts, looking for opportunities in a regular day, just are using our drive time to pray about those truths in the Bible so that we will like, align ourselves with the Spirit and the Spirit will produce fruit in us, cultivate fruit in us. When I was looking at passages for patience, boy, James chapter 5, it's hard to get away from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. If you want, you can turn there if you want, and we'll look at it together. It'll tell us a lot about patience. In James's writing, his audience is suffering persecution from all sides. You have to understand that to understand the passage. They're being persecuted at, at work by the government, by their neighbors, by their own family members because of their life in following Jesus Christ, and even nature. <laughs> There's a famine in the land, and in light of all the persecution, they're experiencing great poverty under a difficult time, and it's making it very difficult for them to have hope. It's not easy to have hope. They're losing their hope. And then it's, it's, they've become hard and not giving mercy to their brothers and sisters in Christ. When you lose hope and don't give mercy, there's a word for that. It's impatience. It's impatience. And in our lives, we can, I guess for you and for me, we can find ourselves in the context of, of aging parents or a long-term illness or a prolonged employment that you're tired of, or prolonged unemployment, you'd love to be employed, or a feeling of everlasting loneliness. Whatever it might be, it just it can wear us down about how to trust God and be patient. And so James is going to give us a lesson in that. He's going to give us two key words that I want you to know what they mean before we start reading it, and then one key motivation. So the first word that, he, that I, we need to know about is, is he's going to say four times in just five verses the word patience. And the, the word patience in Greek is actually illustrative to what the word means itself. The first, it's, it's two words combined, and the first word means far away or a long way off. And the second word is the Greek word uh, thermos, which means hot or, or heat or passion or anger. So the words combined, it means it takes a, you know, a long anger, like a, a long time to get upset. There was a figure of speech back then, it, it, they would say, it takes a long time to boil. We would say, we have a long fuse. That's how we would use the word patience. A person that's impatient would say, that guy has a short fuse. So... In the context of biblical patience, it is, it's the ability to wait a long time for God to do what he will do. 
The second word that's going to be used two times is the word perseverance. It's like an almost identical twin uh, to patience, but it, it's, it's, not as much, it's not as much waiting, which is kind of passive, but it's more active, and it's, the word means to suffer under or to endure pressure. So it's carrying a heavy load for a long distance, for, for example. They both require great stamina. One is waiting and one is persevering. How does a person do that? James is going to use one motivation, but he's going to say it three times. He's going to say, the Lord is soon to return. The Lord is soon to return. Now, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. We say that a fair amount around here. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. In the context of of believing in God, it means, it means having faith in the, the nature of God and the promises of God. And certainly in the subject matter that we're looking at today in patience, when the people heard the phrase in the Bible, Old and New Testament both, when they heard the phrase, the Lord is soon to return, this is where they put their hope and this is, this is what they're trusting in. They're trusting in God's ultimate victory that brings absolute justice. They're trusting in God's, Yahweh's, ultimate victory that that brings absolute justice. And absolute justice means this, that everyone will give an account for their life choices, and that it is the nature of God and the promises of God that He would reward the faithful. That's what justice means. And so, what you think about God is the most important thing about you, and the Lord is coming means that justice will prevail, and all of the suffering that you endure for following Christ will be worth it. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off well. And so, faith, faith in that truth of what ultimate victory means and absolute justice, faith in that will make you a patient person. Not believing in that is going to make you impatient. Let me say it another way specifically. What you believe about the return of Jesus Christ is the primary fact, factor in your patience. What you deeply believe about the eminent return of Jesus Christ is the most important factor in your patience. Look how James says this in the first chapter. He's going to tell us more about it in the fifth. But chapter one, he says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. There's that reward, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So with that in mind, about those words and what it means, let's look at our passage today. Chapter five, seven through 11. James says this, Be patient, therefore, my brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, against one another, for you yourselves might not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example, brothers and sisters, of suffering and patience, 
Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who persevered. Now, you heard the perseverance of Job, and you have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So James in this, in, in this section is going to give us three ways to live a life of patience and perseverance. He's going to give us three ways to live victoriously and, and glorify God. The first one is this, that we live hopefully in God's sovereign plan. We're to live hopefully in God's sovereign plan. Look what he says in verse 7. Now be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters. Why? Until the coming of the Lord. And then he says, okay, look, I, that's... I know it's a hard concept. It's like, let me explain, let me illustrate what this looks like. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of his soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. So James is helping us understand how to wait on the Lord and let the Lord God do what he will do by saying, look, you had to, you had to learn to be patient with nature. You had to learn to wait on, on, uh, for, for what is supposed to happen next. Say it another way, you cannot hurry nature's plan. You can't be impatient about it. And so the farmer has to learn to hope in the promise of this precious produce that's coming at the harvest time. And he has to, learn his, and he has to do this every year. Every year he's got to trust that that harvest comes after that second rain, you can't just like you can't get impatient and look in December like wondering there's nothing happening. It's just still dirt. It's all I see. He's saying, look, Ed, just as you've learned how to do that in farming, you have to learn to do that with God Almighty. You have to learn to be patient. You have to learn to be waiting upon Him, because just like you can't hurry nature's plan. You can't hurry God's plan. So patience is having this long fuse towards God, his plan, and towards other people. And you're just waiting for God to do what he will do. An impatient farmer is, is, is bitter, angry, probably broke, but he's kind of dumb. I mean, like, who... He's like, he's never seen this before. Is he going to plow up between the first rain and the second rain? No, because he can't hurry nature. He has to trust that during, after that first rain, during the winter months, when it just looks like death, he's going to hope and trust that spring will follow. And did you know that spring follows every single winter? <laughs> sure. Okay, you had to learn to trust that way. God's that trustworthy as well. And he's going to say, okay, look, therefore, look, at, look what he says in verse 8 then. So therefore, be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Why be patient? Twice, he says. Because of the coming of the Lord. And now he's saying because of the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's, it's going to happen fast. He's... James is looking forward to the book of Revelation. It hasn't been written yet, but we know it. Like, we love that book. You know what the theme of the book of Revelation is? God, Yahweh God's ultimate victory. And that victory means that perfect justice will be distributed. Everyone will give an account, and rewards will be given. It's his nature to do that. 
and he's promised it. Your patience is based upon your belief and trust in the imminent return, the soon return of Jesus. Here's Lloyd Ogilvie was the chaplain for the U.S. Senate for many years, gifted communicator. He said this, patience must be rooted in an overarching confidence that there is someone in control of the universe, our world, our life. We need to know, trust, that God does work things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. A patient person knows the shortness of time and the length of eternity. A patient person knows the shortness of time and the length of eternity. Patience is really faith in action. Super scholar of the Old Testament, Bruce Walke said, faith is waiting. So, when we're feeling impatient because of the prolonged suffering we might be experiencing or all the injustices going on all around us, James says, look, like you got to think like a farmer. I mean, just like in our own personal experience, not a lot of farmers in the room, but some of us had yards, and, right? Last, last winter, whoa, was it brutal. That ice storm, all the oak trees, right? And then there was this time where it just was cloudy. All of a sudden, there's nothing but death. And then this spring was magic, magic. It seemed to be more colorful than ever before. My yards never look better. The sun can finally hit that thing. It's, but the point is, like, every winter is followed by a spring. He's saying, let's go back to that. We do everything you can. You know, he's not taking justice away from us. Do everything we can. We all Oh, due diligence to fellow men for justice and for peace. But ultimate justice, ultimate peace, that's not in our hands. It's in the hands of God, and he has promised an, an ultimate victory with absolute justice and reward. Look, <laughs> look, look, look how he's saying, it, and it's going to happen sooner than we think. Look, verse 7, until the coming of the Lord, verse 8, the next sentence, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Patience is trusting in the nature of God and the promises of God just a little bit longer. Just, just it's, 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 it's right there. Just we're waiting for God to do what he has promised to do. And James says, okay, now look, look, look for signs of impatience in your life. The next sentence, verse 9, he says this. Now, do not complain, brothers and sisters, against one another, that you yourselves may be judged, may not be judged, that you yourselves may not be judged. Why? Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Sometimes our impatience with God's timing causes us to be impatient with other people. Sometimes other people just <laughs> try our patience. <laughs> Uh, that's how we get impatient with people. But if you look at, if you remember the audience that James is writing to, persecuted from multiple uh, re, you know, avenues, and then all the while they're impoverished. And it is, it is much like us that he, James doesn't say, look, okay, look, uh, don't grumble against the government and the people and the neighbors persecuting you. He's saying, no, 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 don't grumble, grumble against your brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says that because when we're in like the vice of pressure, when things are not going the way we would think that a just and holy God would act, 
And we're living in the context of that injustice and difficult times like a famine. We don't take it out on the people doing it quite often. We take it out on the people we love the most. We come home and we kick the cat or take it out on our children and our family. We had a saying when, when our children were younger, and I, I brought a lot of stuff home in the context of that vice. Linda or I would say, same team, <laughs> same team. And it was just kind of a slap in like, wait a minute, why are we turning on each other in the difficult times of life? When we ought to be most patient with the people we love the most, why are we why are we expressing ourselves this way? And so James says, look, we got to be patient with one another. We need to be, give mercy. Don't be complaining and sniping at other people in the church. What you deeply believe about the return of Jesus Christ is the most important factor in having patience. Listen, listen to the progression now that he's added to the progression of the importance of Jesus' return. He says in verse 7, until the coming of the Lord. And then he says in verse 8, the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then in verse 9, he says, the judge is right outside that door. Impatience is acting like there is no justice or there will be no justice. I mean, we can see that all around us, right? We can look at various cities around the country where the politicians have decided to no longer implement uh, the law, like, for example, uh, shoplifting. And so you see these videos where people are just going into stores with bags and just clearing the shelves of what they want and just walking out, stealing purses, stealing whatever. And it just, it's a matter of time because there is no justice and people live as though there will be no justice. And those cities are destroyed from the inside out. <laughs> and it, it's enraging. It's happened a couple times for me uh, because of the, the people that do this, they do it with impunity and boldness. I was at a, at a Home Depot where a guy just carried out just a rack of cordless drills, and people are yelling at him, hey, you didn't pay for those, and he jumps in his truck and drives away. I followed him out. I was so angry, and then recently, I'm not bragging about this, I'm upset with myself, but I was coming out of a Walgreens, and someone stole something, and the manager was yelling at him, and I just I said, hey, man, come on. <laughs> like, how dare you? Just walk in there, grab it, and walk out? You can't do that. He's like, what are you going to do? Like, there's no justice. I can live, like, in a, law, a lawless way because there's no judge. And when I finally calmed down. It wasn't my stuff and all that. But I just thought it was just it, the point was I was so angry with the arrogance, the impunity, the how dare you just blazingly break the law. And then just this past week, in a premeditated way, I went against God's will and did something I shouldn't have done. And I heard those words that I yelled at that guy. How dare you, Matt? Living as, there, as though the judge is not at the door. You're living like there's not a return of Christ. And there's not absolute justice and giving an account. There's the judge at the door. You should live that way. So James says, live hopefully. And the second way he tells us to live is to live courageously. He says, live courageously 
for the promise of reward. Live courageously for the promise of reward. It's going to be worth it. And in this storyline, he's going to give us a great example of patience by going back to the old saints that we know about and how what they did, the way they lived courageously, it paid off. Verse 10 says, as an example, my brothers and sisters, of, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And how did they live patiently? They lived courageously because God didn't, like, God didn't come commissioned these men and women to go out and win friends and influence people. They weren't necessarily popular. In other words, a lot of these saints were told by God to do things that caused them to suffer great persecution, sometimes illness and even death. And so James is kind of doing what happens in Hebrews chapter 11. He's saying, look at those old saints like athletes that we look up to and we see all that they paid for for the, the ability to be in the Olympics, for example, and how that paid off. Sometimes it didn't look like it won, but it was all worth it to them. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, we're surrounded by these saints, and some of them conquered kingdoms, some of them obtained the promises that God gave them. But then at length it says, and some experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, even also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were they were tempted. They were even put to death with a sword. And the point of, the pa- of chapter 11 is, and it was all worth it. <laughs> it, it, was, it all made sense at the end. In other words, there's no, there's no sacrifice in living in faith, living, waiting for God to do what he does. There's no sacrifice in this and that because every cost has a greater return Every cost is really just an investment, and that investment has a huge eternal reward. So look, look, look how James is teaching. Just like step back and look how he's teaching. What he's saying is, remember, just remember how God worked in your life before. He's, he's, he's saying, look back and see, you know, when we're confused, when we're, when we're tired, when we're starting to act cowardly, we're in the fog of war. We want to become impatient. We want to give up. He says, okay, look, look at farming. You know that? You know, farmer, farmers say it's worth it. Their, their precious produce is worth waiting to after that second rain. Look at those old saints. They suffered long. They lived bold and courageous lives, and it was worth it. They were heroes. And he's saying to us, what about, like, what about you? What about me? Look back, you know, Carve in stone the God moments in your life where God, you waited on God and he provided and protected in ways that you ended up with this beautiful God story because you waited for God to do what he does. And I mean, I would recommend you, you make it like folklore. We do that at our house. We just turn it into the lore of the way we live. Big purchases like houses and cars and employment, those sorts of things. We're like, oh, I want a God story. I'm going to wait for the very end of this. This is going to be part of the things we remember so that later on, when we're tired and confused and we're concussed, we just go back to muscle memory. We go into that, that room of, of, it's a trophy room for God's provision and protection 
when we waited, when we waited. God has done this before. He will do it again. Perseverance is worth it. It's worth it. When you get home to heaven, it'll all make sense, and it'll all be worth it. There's a beautiful story that's inspirational called The Rabbit-Proof Fence. It's made into a movie. Uh, It's about these three girls in Australia. The era is 1931, and they are 8 and 10 and 14-year-old girls, and they are torn from their grandmother's arms and their little village and taken away about 1,200 miles away because back then Australia had a law that, that if you were mixed race, particularly with the Aborigines, there was a law that took you out of that, required you to be taken out of that, that community and put into a residential school to be taught how to become an Australian. And those schools were known for their brutality and, and shame and abuse and literal deprivation. <laughs> and these three girls were able to escape somehow. And their only way to get home was to follow the rabbit-proof fence. It's 1,500 miles. It's a very difficult hike. And if you can imagine sending your three daughters to walk to Los Angeles, and they've got 300 miles more to go. I love what Mark Buchanan writes about the story about following that fence line and making it all worth it. He said this, he says, the journey was Homeric in its proportions. The trudge was through a blistering desert, evading wild animals and trackers and police and surviving on food that they scavenged. They returned nine months later for the joyful reunion with their family. They were home. <laughs> Watch this. The oldest daughter, Molly, later, much, much later, she becomes a mother and is pregnant, and she's taken from the village again, taken back to that residential school. She escapes, but now with two toddlers. But she'd done it once before, and she followed the rabbit-proof fence and made it back home again. He writes this, and the journey that was dangerous and difficult, that, that was long and arduous, only makes sense if the road leads home. And Molly and Daisy, two of the three girls, reflected back when they were older and they decided they would do anything. They would do everything all over again to just get home. When they got home, it was worth it. And James is saying, We're going to be home soon, very soon. Don't grow impatient. Endure suffering. You'll be home soon, and when you're home, it will be worth it. There's a prize for the punishment. I think one of the more difficult things that we have to endure in the context of patience is when we feel like the pain has no purpose. And the Bible says that's not the case. The pain does have a purpose. Remember how God worked in the past. And you can count on that. And you, as, as sure as the seasons are, as certain as, as the saints of old and how we've turned in them into heroes, and rightly so, 
And even in our own lives, the funerals we attend, one of the honest, weird, strange blessings that I get from working here is I attend a lot of funerals. And because of the nature of our church, we get to watch saints finish all the way to the end and do it in such a righteous, holy, patient, and perseverance. It is inspirational. It's, it's like if they're living in this time, if they can live hopefully and courageously, so can I. James says this, not just hopefully and courageously, but victoriously. Live victoriously because of God's nature. Live victoriously because of God's nature. And watch in this, in this section here, watch how he's not appealing to the promises of God, but the very attributes of God. He says, behold, we count those blessed who persevere. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and, and, have been, and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing. And why was that outcome? Because the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Job suffered victoriously. And when we talk about Job suffering, it's, it's an icon of suffering. He suffered financially. He uh, suffered physically. He suffered demonically. The whole thing was orchestrated by a demon. His family lost all of his children. He had nothing to show for his life. And yet, in the middle of it, Job chapter 19, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. He's persevering through all of that. He's expressing his emotions quite vividly, but he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And the story is written in a way to show this the nature of God. It's written to show this, that he is filled with compassion and mercy. That Job, that Job lived victoriously because of, the, because of the compassion and the mercy of God. It ends with it saying, and the Lord brought about in his life twice of what he had before. What we believe about the return of Jesus Christ is the most important factor in our ability to be patient. He's going to return. His return is at hand. The judge is at the door. That will give us patience. We know how it ends, and so we can live in the present with that. Tim Keller does a beautiful job of illustrating this. He paints this little picture where he says, if you can imagine two women as identical as you can imagine, right? Same education, same socioeconomic background, same temperament, same age, everything's the same. And then you give them the same exact job in a menial assembly line type of working. They're going to work hard at this factory eight to ten hours a day. And they're sitting right next to each other. Everything is absolutely the same. The job is boring. It's even belittling. You could probably train a monkey to do what they're doing. And it's hard work. Now, the only difference between them is woman number one is promised at the end of the year $30,000. And woman number two is promised $30 million. Eight weeks in, what do you expect? <laughs> two months later, woman one is saying, this is tedious work. It is driving me absolutely insane. I'll never make a year. I can't wait to quit growing in patience. Woman number two, I think the, this is perfectly acceptable. 
You might have noticed I whistle while I work. Why? Expectations of the future. Expectations of the future control how we experience the present. Expectations of the future control how we experience the present. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And know this about Yahweh. Trust this about Yahweh. There will be ultimate justice. And that means everyone will give an account. Be sure of that. And it is the nature of God, and He's promised it to be true, that we will receive a reward. We receive an eternal reward for a temporal choice to be patient and to persevere. So, patience is really just keeping the end in mind and working backwards from there, having faith in the nature and the promises of God. Look what it says in Thessalonians. Paul writes it this way. He says, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Jesus never said the suffering was going to be easy. But whenever he mentioned it, he said it would be worth it. And so we're to like live patiently and we're to endure suffering because the Lord is coming. The Lord's coming is at hand. The judge is just right outside that door. And that means there'll be a victory. That means justice will prevail. It means rewards will be given. Be patient. Just wait. Let's pray. Lord, impatience, <laughs> impatience is part of our culture. We don't know how to live any other way. Efficiency is like a sign of holiness, but not with you. I confess that, Lord. Lord, I'd ask that you would help us understand what it means to believe in you, your nature, and your promises, and live in a way like Old Testament saints lived for the coming of Christ and all those promises, and we know that to be true. And now we need to live for the second coming of Christ in that same way. In the same way you came the first, you are definitely going to come second. And we must live patiently with perseverance until that day. Lord, I'd ask that you would help us, just remind us of ways we live when we're living as though there is no judge at the door. We live lawlessly as though you're not keeping score. That We won't give account. And that we doubt that you would believe that you would reward our perseverance and our patience. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised those who love him, called according to his purpose. God, help us be a church of patience. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.